Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. You know, and so, you know, in Luke 21, verse 26, it says that, and it's talking about the coming of the Son of Man, that men's hearts will fail them for fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. And this, this failing that it's talking about there is actually life leaving the body. Men's hearts will fail them. Life will leave, literally leave the body. And this fear that they're talking about there is a fear that will actually put people into a stupor. Does anyone know it's an old word? You don't hear it used much. A stupor. And that's basically, you, you can be stunned or not fully conscious, conscious because of the fear. Amen. And um, back in the days when, if you remember in the, uh, the, uh, the Iraq war, is Israel was being uh, attacked by missiles, scud, scud missiles, if you remember those days back in the early 90s. And Israel recorded a hundred deaths for people that died, um, not because of explosions or bomb blasts, but because of heart failure. Heart failure. And um, the, the fear and the stress triggered, literally triggered heart failure. So it's incredibly powerful, but God commands us to fear not. Fear not. Amen. And if we can all, if I asked all of you, how do you define fear? You'd probably all give me a slightly similar answer. But fear is dwelling on or meditating on something awful, something dreadful, something terrifying and the probability that it is going to happen. It's having the apprehension of something evil is going to happen. Amen. And so it's a really debilitating, paralyzing force and it enslaves people. You can be a slave to, to fear. It enslaves us. And God says, and, and the word says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So when we um, have faith in God, amen, when we have our faith in God, that has got something to do with what we do with fear, amen. Fear activates the kingdom of darkness and, and faith activates the kingdom of heaven. And it's really, that is the, it's, it's, it's that black and white. Amen. And so there was a guy once upon a time who was one of the richest men in the world. His name was Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes. And he had coprophobia, which is a fear of dirt and um, dust and stuff like that. Now, anyone here got that fear? <laughs> Praise God that you don't. <laughs> Some people, ah, you're close. You're quite close, you. You're quite close. Um, but he had coprophobia, and all the money in the world, all the money that he had, couldn't buy his own sanity, couldn't buy him a peaceful night's sleep, couldn't buy him any peace of mind. He was possessed by this, 
spirit of fear of this, of this, and we know that's where it's the phobia comes from. The Greek word, is it? Well, it is a Greek word. Phobia comes, so it's to do with what you're afraid of. Amen. And so that's it's a spirit of fear, and that's what it is. It's a spirit of fear, and you know, there's a saying in the cycling world, or if anyone is into motorcycles or cycling, there's a saying in the cycling world that if you don't if you don't look where you're going, you'll go exactly where you're looking. If you don't look where you're going, you'll go exactly where you're looking. And I was thinking about that, and it's like whatever you fix your eyes upon is exactly where you're going ahead. And I've done it before. I've panicked on my bike, and it's almost as if there's a magnet in the barrier in the side of the road. And it's like, no, no, why, why, why did I focus on that? Why did I not look around the road? Why did I not look around the bend and counter steer and lean more and give it some welly and get round the corner? And, but you, sometimes we get transfixed on a point and it's almost as if it's a magnet that pulls us there, amen? And so fear causes us to be transfixed and focused upon an impending set of circumstances. And those circumstances might be visible or they might be invisible, all right? Those circumstances might be in your environment or they might be in your imagination. That's important. They might be something you can visibly see, but they might be in your imagination. They might just be a thought in your head, amen? And so... You know, fear, fear drives us to do things that are unwise. And if you look at the, uh, the parable of the, of the ten servants, the parable of the, the, the minas or the, the, whatever the currency was at the time, the servant who was afraid of his master was the one who took that money and he just put it in a cloth and, he, and then when his master came back, he had no interest on it, nothing to show for it. And his master was wrath with him. And he says, why did you do that? And he says, well, I was afraid of you because you're a harsh man. You're an exacting man. And I was afraid of you. So I thought, you know what? At least if maybe he thought if I just give him back what he gave me, he'll be fine. But he got rebuked for that. Amen. And so fear drives us to make decisions and to do things that are not always the best. Amen. And that's really the fear of man that was involved in that situation. Amen. But I want to tell you this morning that there's good news. Jesus died at Calvary to redeem you from fear once and for all. Now, fear will come. Fear will come. Fears will come. But Jesus died to redeem us from fear. And so how can we conquer fear? So the title of this message is Faith Triumphs over fear. Faith triumphs over fear. And you know, when Jesus, and we're going to end this message today with a very well-known story of Jesus walking out on the water towards the disciples in the boat, and uh, uh, which is just a lovely um, story. And and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's like, you know those boards outside the churches in America that they've got the letters that they change about? And they've got the morning sermon and the, the evening sermon. So it was quite funny. I've seen one uh, kind of picture that said, in the morning service, Jesus walks on water. That was the message. And the evening service was searching for Jesus. 
So it's like, no, he didn't, he didn't go under. He didn't disappear. He didn't disappear. He was, he was on top of the water. But we can conquer fear because, and as we all know in this church, we've been saying it since 1987, faith comes by hearing and hearing God's word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing God's word. Fear comes by hearing the words of the world. Fear comes by hearing the words of your mates and your friends and family and who say, oh my, oh my, oh, that was my granny Walker. Oh my, oh, oh my, oh. You know, you, she was a warrior, a terrible warrior. And it was like, wow, it was such a negativity from that kind of um, fearful heart. But faith repels the onslaught of a fearful heart. Amen. And the thing is about fear, fear attracts the very things that you dread the most. It attracts the very things that we dread the most. In Job uh, chapter 3, verse 25, does anyone know what Job said? The thing that I feared most has come upon me. The thing that I greatly feared, that is the thing that is here. It's shown up. And I think, you know, if we went around the room today and we said, what, what, what do you have a fear of? I think we'd have all sorts of things. Fear of aging. Fear of rejection. Yeah. Fear of failure. Fear of underachieving. Fear of being ridiculed by people. All of these different things. Let's not talk about, we're not talking about spiders and heights and drowning, although those are very real fears too. But what about those very deep emotional fears and psychological fears that people have? Well, our God is greater than every single one of them. Amen. And trusting in him destroys all fear. Trust, just trusting in him destroys all fear because faith in him is the opposite of fear. Faith is the opposite of fear, amen? And um, we all know that Bible verse that says, give no place to the devil. James chapter four, verse seven. Submit to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. Give no place to the devil. And we have to understand that fear cannot have a place in our hearts and our lives unless we give it a place, Unless we consent to it, unless we open the door to it and virtually invite it in, it cannot actually have um, possession or it cannot make itself at home in your life. Amen? It's like when we prayed at the start, when fear knocks at the door, faith opens the door and there's nobody there. Open the door by faith. Open the door by faith. Amen? And so how do we conquer fear? And, oh, well, we have to pray. And we have, but do you know what? We just have to acknowledge who God is in our life. The fear of the Lord is important. The fear of man is a snare. But the fear of the Lord, that's important. And as we, as we you know, in, in God's word, every, the people that came before him, they were all under the impression that God was going to destroy them. They had such a fear of the Lord, a reverential, we, we always say this, a reverential fear, but they had such a genuine fear of the Lord 
And what normally happened when they went there to say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I am so not worthy. I, 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 you, you just, you know, you're going to snuff me out. What did God usually say? He said, fear not. Be not afraid. Be not afraid. But you know what I've seen, I've identified in your heart is that you fear me. And if you fear me, you need fear nothing else on this earth. Just have the fear of the Lord. Just have the fear of the Lord. Amen. Psalm 34 says, I'll bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. So magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together, just like we were doing this morning. And I sought the Lord and he heard from me and he delivered me from all of my fears. We're, we're touching on five or six scriptures about fear this morning, but you go and look in your Bible and there's over 350 or 360 scriptures for fear. So how do we overcome fear? By praising. And if we're not praising Christians, we're not victorious Christians. Because a victorious Christian is a Christian that gives praise back to God and gives thanks back to God and, and it says, I'm grateful, Lord. I'm grateful, you know? And it's so, if you want to walk the walk of victory, open your mouth and praise him every single day. Praise him. Amen. 1 John 4.18 tells us that fear involves torment. Any, is there anyone up for being tormented here every day? No, no. <laughs> fear it says there, fear involves torment, but perfect love casts out fear. Amen? So we thank God for all of these mighty verses that give us the confidence to know that we, all we have to do is take his hand have the fear of God, have the, a genuine fear of the Lord in our lives. And we need not live in fear. And I know what maybe many of you are thinking, aye, that's easy to say. But there is a way. There is a way. And you, once you become, be, begin to overcome fear, you know, Jesus, his disciples, he, they went through small trials many small things, and gradually those trials got tougher. And if you show yourself faithful in those little things and you overcome and you, you work at it, then you'll be able to overcome the big things. Amen? Because the Word says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Amen? Isaiah 44 verse 8, Do not fear nor be afraid. Have I not told you from that time and declared it? You're my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? Indeed, no. There is no other rock, not one. Amen. So praise God. Praise God. Let's, let's have a look at this, this um, story in uh, Matthew chapter 14. So have you got your, your Bibles with you? Amen. I know Rebecca has. I said, you, you need, now you need a fluffy Bible cover. We, we uh, you know, does anyone remember the days where you got those um, dividers for your Bible? All the little tabs you put on, and you put the little tabs on so you could find the books of the Bible. 
I was OCD in that department. I, they all had to be perfect, you know. Got my Bible there and my Bible cover and my notepad and my pen and I was off to, off, you know. And you know what? I just thank God for paper. Thank God for paper. You can thank God for, you know, okay, we've got all these phones and Kindles and stuff, but thank God for a paper Bible that one day you'll be able to say, there's, there, my son, there, my girl, there, you, that's, that's your part of your inheritance. <laughs> I've got about 50 coming my way. <laughs> We're going to need a cupboard in the house for more Bibles. So when, when, when my dad goes to be with the Lord, it's going to be like, Bible city in my house. Uh, he'll distribute them. Amen. Because, you know, there's only so many Bibles you can have, you know. <laughs> we should be giving them away if we've got excess ones anyway. Hey, hey, here's a Bible. So, in, in Matthew 14, okay, let's go to Matthew 14. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Matthew 14. Make sure Jesus walks on the sea after feeding the 5,000. He had a busy day. There was lots going on. The people wanted to make him, the, make him their king that day. They were going to force him to become their king, and he, he just took a, made a sharp exit and got out of the way. Um, but the multitudes were thronging him, and so he got away to pray. But in verse, let's start with verse 22. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. Wow. Immediately Jesus forced his disciples to get into the boat. Have you ever thought of that before? It says he made his disciples get into the boat. You've got no choice. Get in the boat. And he sends them to the other side. And then he sends the multitudes away. These disciples were seasoned fishermen. They, for years, had been reading the signs of the times of the weather and the environment and everything. And they could tell that there was a storm coming. And their master had just told them to get into their boat and to go across. And they're like, hello, there's a storm coming. We're fishermen. We know all this stuff is going to happen. And I thought about that. We get seasoned in life in different areas that we're involved in. And we get conditioned to think, oh, I know a problem's coming. There's trouble. There may be trouble ahead. We, you, there's some, something bad is going to happen. Why? Because I've been doing this for a long time. And God says, do not fear. But I've been doing it for a long time. I know it's coming. Nonetheless, they chose to place their trust and their obedience in Jesus before their own judgment of what was going on out there. So they got in the boat. Verse 23, Jesus went to pray. And then in verse 24, the disciples' boat is now in the middle of the, the sea and it's being tossed by the storm. Amen? Jesus put them on the boat and says, okay, I'm putting you out into you, the line of duty here. And how many of us, you feel that Jesus pushes you out into the line of duty? And um, we're like, what? You're sending me into hostile, a hostile environment. It's dangerous. It's, it's deadly. And Jesus is going, 
go. Go get out into the line of duty. And the thing is, in life, we might have good conditions or fair weather at the start of the voyage, but further down, it's going to get choppy. And then it's going to get choppier. And then the waves are going to rise. And I think that there might be some people going out on a boat this, this afternoon. I hope it's nice and glassy for you. I, I just take a sick bag whenever I see a boat. Sick bag. I'm, then I'm good. And so, but the, so the storm is brewing. And so after some time or another, you can expect a storm. Amen. And so the disciples, they didn't um, tuck tail and tack back to the shore. They kept on going. They carried out their duty. Amen. But we all know we had a couple of messages on this a while ago about the storms of life. But they're there so that Jesus can, you know, so that we can see his grace, so that we can experience his mercy so that we can experience his help. Amen. And so, you know, there was a time before when Jesus rebuked the storm, but he's saying to his disciples, go on, this is a, there's some difficulty ahead, but go on. I want to teach you to live by faith and not by fear. I want to build you up in little increments. And then in verse 25, it says, in the fourth watch, Jesus went to his disciples walking on water. So in the middle of the night, between three o'clock and six o'clock, Jesus goes to the disciples walking on water. And we can tell by this that Jesus is, what's going on here? Jesus is concerned about his disciples. He has care for them. He goes towards them. And he's, he knows he's got total power and dominion over everything that's going on about him. But in verse 26, it says, when the disciples seen him, they were troubled and exclaimed, it's a ghost. It's, it, it's a spirit, a ghost. And they cried out in fear. So what did they cry out in? They cried out in fear. And so... They didn't recognize who it was initially that was coming towards them, and they were afraid. Amen. They didn't recognize the approach of their way of deliverance. And how many of us embrace the first emergency exit in life that we can lay our hands on? It's like if there's, if there's a fire in this room, and there will never be... <laughs> You know, it's like, what are you going to do? What are you going to look for? You're going to look for the, the nearest fire exit, aren't you? And I think as people were like that, uh, the very first available emergency exit is the one I'm going through. Now, naturally, that would be a good idea. <laughs> okay, we're not saying that it's not. But I think that sometimes some of us, we look for the, the wrong exit, we, 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 uh, we panic, we're afraid, and we choose the wrong way of escape. And here, Jesus is coming. He's their deliverer, and they don't know who it is. So what do you say if you don't know who it is? Lord, is it you? Is it you? Amen? Is it you? 
Is it you? And what did Jesus say? Yeah, it's, it's me. Amen. So, little things can frighten us in a storm. And we're usually in more danger of the things that trouble us inwardly. This was quite extreme, though. Jesus walking on the water. You know, that's an external thing that was very troubling. Amen. But anyway, sometimes our expectations of how we're going to be delivered out of a situation is not what we think it's going to be. Jesus is a master at doing that. Amen. And so in verse 27, immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer or be of good courage. It is me. It is I. Do not be afraid. And so the very first thing that Jesus did, just the same as Jehovah does with all of these great men that come to him completely like, I, I, I feel that God is going to just go, that's it, end of story. The very first thing that Jesus does is say, do not be afraid. He says, don't be afraid. He put their fears to rest by telling them, it's me, I'm here now. I'm here now. And that was all they needed to say because they knew his voice. They knew the voice of their master. And so having the, a knowledge of God's voice in our lives opens the door to help and comfort and it puts our fears to rest. Amen? So how do we conquer fear? Get to know the voice of God. How, how do you recognize the voice of God? Well, you have to practice that. You have to be, the more often you're with him, the more I'm with Linda. Linda can be in Marks and Spencers 50 yards away and she can say something and I'm like, that's Linda. It's like this unmistakable. When she laughs, it's even, it's like, yeah, that's Linda. You know, so it's this instantaneous, I know that voice. That's the voice of Jesus. That's the voice of my God, amen. And so, when Jesus is near you, he's not going to stand by and watch you perish. He wasn't going to stand out, you know, those yards away from the boat and watch his disciples come to grief, was he? No. And I'm saying this morning that there's nothing to be terrified of, nothing to be fearful of if Jesus is near you. If Jesus is near you, not even death itself can hold any power over you because you know that Jesus is near. And then in verse 28, Peter says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water or bid, bid me come. So here's Peter. Now, he's quite bold in this request. Lord, if it is you, bid me come. And you know who, how close Peter was to Jesus? He's probably quite, he's like, I, I want to be with you. I want to be with you. If it is you, then bid me come. So here he is now on, at the, on the verge of this decision to step out of the boat and go and walk. Amen. So I don't think he was looking to get out there and walk for the sake of a miracle. It was already a miracle that Jesus was walking on the water. But I don't think he was looking. It's nothing to do with there being a miracle. He just wanted to be with Jesus. And he, was, he would have broken through anything to be with Jesus at that moment. Amen? And so I think that he's, it was just that, that test of trust and faith. Come, Peter. Come and walk to me. Amen? And so 
true love will go, will, will go through fire and water, I believe. And, and, and when Jesus says to us, come, come up higher or come and do this, it's our love for us that I think let, uh, take, lets us take the next step. I love you, Lord. Well, do you trust me? Yes, I trust you. Okay, come. Amen. So Jesus, in verse 29, says, come. And Peter leaves the boat and walked on the water to go to Jesus. Amen. So that word there that Jesus spoke, come, is, was as powerful as that, the word spoken at the beginning of time that created everything that we see today. And when we have to understand when Jesus says come, it's the same, it's the same word that says let there be. It's, it has the same power. So when Jesus says come, it's like come. All of this, all of the power of the, of, of the you know, cre- uh, creation is at my hands. And that's the power that enabled Peter to walk on the water. Amen. And any word that God speaks to us, we have the power available to go and to achieve that. To, um, if God gets, speaks a word to you, all you've got to do is act upon it and it's released. So in a metaphorical sense, you can walk on water over the circumstances, over whatever things are coming against you. Amen. In the midst of all the storms and everything else. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, how many of them got out of the boat and walked on the water? It was just, just, it was only Peter that did it. Amen. So one of the most important steps to overcoming and conquering fear is to leave the security of everything that seems, that is natural and that you can see and that you're used to and you're familiar with it's to step out of that. You might feel insecure in doing it, but your security, it's like security blanket, <laughs> you know, hold, but it's, you, you must step out of the boat at that point in time, amen? Put yourself in the position where there has to be a miracle so that God will hold you up, amen? And we know the story, all of us know the story well of what, ultimately begins to happen. But Peter listens to Jesus, Jesus's command. And and actually, what he's listening to is not just Jesus' command, but Jesus's will for him. And Jesus has a will, a plan, and a purpose for your life. And when Jesus says, come, he's really saying, this is my will for you. This is my will. Step in this direction to get this job, this career. Step in this direction to witness to this person. Step in this direction for, 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 for a healing. Step in, he's, this is my, because this is my will for you. Amen? Amen? He didn't say, if it is your will, Lord, then I will come. He said, if it is you, then bid me come. He already knew God's, uh, Jesus' will because Jesus says, come. Amen? Amen. Now, if Jesus hadn't said, come, what would, if Peter had got out the boat and started walking, what do you think? Would that have been a little bit presumptuous? Um, you know, in the line of duty, we go into 
hazardous situations, but always go at his command. Always go as he commands, as he leads, as he wills, go. Amen? If we thrust ourselves into every single opportunity that's out there, we may end up in danger. Don't go and fight Goliaths that are not yours. You, you've got, you, you may have one Goliath. Go and fight your Goliath. Just stick with the one guy <laughs> or the 10 or whoever. I mean, but don't go fighting other people's Goliaths and any Goliath that you can find. I don't think it's a, good, a wise thing to do. Amen? Amen? So Jesus says, Peter, come. And I think Jesus knew already, Peter's going to trust me. Peter's going to trust me. And that really pleased Jesus. And what do we need to, what pleases God? Faith. Faith. So if we truly have faith in God, we won't sink and be overwhelmed by all of the uh, troubles and fears of the world. He'll hold us up, amen? Oh, he'll hold us up. And in verse 30, it says, when Peter saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. He cried out, Lord, save me. And I think that we have these distress prayers, panic prayers sometimes. How many of you have prayed those prayers? Lord, save me. You know, in a moment of complete and utter heart, you know, terror, we call out to God, Lord, save us. Lord, save us. And what does he do? He saves. He saves. He saves. He's faithful. Amen. But he's, something gave way to timidity and a little bit of unbelief. And the word, what does the word say? When he observed what was going on around him, he began to sink. He was walking on the water fine when he had his eyes fixed on Jesus. But when he took his eyes off of Jesus, he started to sink. Amen. So his senses began to operate again. Amen. His senses began to operate. Do we, do we, do we, Walk by faith or, or by sight? We walk by faith because our senses will always usually get us into trouble if we rely on them. God's given us senses for good reason so that if there is a fire in the building, you can smell the smoke <laughs> and get out of there. But it's akin to spiritual senses. It's akin to spiritual senses. that we, That's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's why we need Him. Amen. And so he's, his, his, and, and you know what, he's, they've been with Jesus and fed 5,000 with a few loaves and fish and stuff like that. And it's like, so now I'm walking on the water. And but he started to sink. In, in spite of all of that, who's had a miracle before? And afterwards, you've still faltered. You know, and that's the thing. Satan is going to come and he's going to knock at your door every day with fear and doubt. And he's going to try and bring calamitous situations your way. Amen. But we can cry out. And when we cry out, let's make sure it's fervent. Let's make sure it's fervent. When our faith is weak, 
pray hard, pray strong, praise hard, pray strong. Verse 31, and immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith. And I feel like that like nearly every day. I have to be honest. I feel like that nearly every day. Oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? You know, Jesus acted in perfect time. His timing is always perfect. We get to the 11th hour, the 59th minute, the 59th second. Lord, you, no, I'm, I'm, it's done. It's got, and and, and I, will, I, will, I will bear you up at the, precisely the right time. Precisely the right time. And sometimes you walk down that corridor of you walk down that corridor of fear and apprehension, intimidation sometimes. You walk down there, but you're being refined and strengthened to overcome all of that. And I think Jesus just tells us to walk a wee bit further each time. Amen? And so eventually, until that feeling of that foreboding, you know, there was nothing worse McLaughlin, go to the headmaster's office. And I'd have to leave class and walk there. And you know, the, the, I think they kept you waiting on purpose. Because you're nearly sick. This is being brought up in, a, in another culture where, you know, discipline was very much the norm. It's like, oh man. At least sometimes if you were going to some of the classes, you knew you were always going to get a caning, so you wore three pairs of underpants. Um, still sore, right enough. But, you know, and it's that horrible dread that you feel when you know something is going to hurt me. Someone is going to hurt me. And you know what? He's saying, do not fear. Do not fear. Jesus stretched out his hand and catches him. And the word says that for as many as he loves and saves, he reproves and chastises. Why did you doubt? He had enough faith to get out of that boat. But it, and it was true faith, but it was little faith. Amen. Not quite enough to see him through. And if you don't, if you're on a God-given mission, don't consider natural ways of deliverance. Only consider that God will deliver you supernaturally. Amen? And so, he's not going to, if you, if, if, you know, weak faith, little faith, shipwreck faith, dead faith, all of those things can be brought to resurrected. God is not going to cast you off because, he's not going to cast us off because our faith is weak. Okay? He's not going to cast us off. He's not pleased with weak faith. Can you imagine what Jesus was, I, I would, one day we'll know what he was really like. Oh, ye of little faith. What was his expression? What was his body language like that day? Amen. And he's, and, and, and what did, Jesus asked Peter a question. Why did you doubt? And as so many times Jesus asks us a question, why did you doubt? You know, it's not like, oh, ye of little faith, move on. It's, oh, ye of little faith, but why? Jesus is saying, why did you doubt? Why? Amen. But anyway, they got back into 
The boat and the wind ceased and the storm stopped. As soon as Jesus got back in the boat with them, the storm stopped and it ceased. The word says, be still and know that I am God, that I am Jehovah Shammah, the God who is there, the God who is with you. And the last verse is verse 33. Then those that were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. Isn't it amazing how it all comes back round to gratitude, to praise, to worship, to glorifying him. Amen. And so they, they got something out of the exercise. They got value from it. They had a battle with unbelief, and this confirmed that they had faith in Jesus. Amen. And then they were on the road, I believe, that their little faith would have become greater faith, stronger faith. Amen. And they already knew that Jesus was the Son of God, but now they knew it better. And sometimes we think, well, we know Jesus, and this is kind of like the cap I put on what I think Jesus is going to do for me. But know him better, and he will do all the more. There is no, nothing that he cannot do. Amen? So they give him glory. They worship him. And that is a product of our faith. Worship. Thanksgiving. Gratitude. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.